Gold. Nitra. Cropper. I'm full up, boys. Where's that damn Molly? Ah, oh, could really go for an ale. Better gear up, boys. There's a swarm moving in on ya. Lock and load. Oi! You heard him, everyone. Lock and load. In gaming, or in real life, we as humans are constantly striving for context or meaning in everything that we do. Every action needs validation because everything, whether we realize it or not, has a purpose and a place. And to think that the same concepts don't apply to our favorite escape from reality, video games would be an incorrect assumption. Even if that context or meaning is not directly provided to us on a silver platter, we are propelled forward by our innate human desire to find it. And this is why Deep Rock Galactic is such a shining example of contextual storytelling. In similar fashion to how From Software chooses to tell stories in its hit Souls franchise, the context and subtext alike hold all the key indicators that when combined, paint a lush, rich tapestry that only then you can admire for all of its intricacies. And oftentimes, it can be so well hidden that the narrow, predetermined path seems like just that. But really, the context is being overshadowed by your desire for completion. It is truly through the absence of a predetermined path that your mind allows you to fully appreciate the finer details of the world around you and what is happening within it. And these details, when well integrated and executed, will capture the imagination with as firm as a grip and if not more so, as a well-done plotline, because when you have to seek it out and you find it, not only do you find your plot, but you appreciate it all the more. So, about the game. Deep Rock Galactic is a first-person shooter that's four-person co-op from the company Ghost Ship Games. Players take on the role of a ragtag group of dwarven space miners on the payroll of an eponymous mining company and tasked with the extraction of valuable resources from beneath the planet of the extremely volatile and hostile planet known as Hoxie's 4. Within the hub of their spaceship, the players will awake from their slumber, grab their finest gear, grab a beer, shave their heads to their liking, and then rocket themselves deep into the fully destructible, procedurally generated network of caves and tunnels of various size and complexity, completing whatever task Mission Control has on their plate for that day. Honestly, it isn't too bad of work. And if you don't count the lack of light, cramped spaces, sheer drops, flame vents, smoldering rock, earthquakes, exploding plants, sandstorms, ice storms, lightning arcing crystals, poisonous fungus, sticky goo, ionizing radiation, acid splitting flies, and a race of extremely hostile arachnoid aliens known as the Glyphid, <sighs> it wouldn't be so bad. It's a lot to process, and you have to handle all of those things while either mining for minerals or carrying a mineral rock back to your base point. 
Braving all this and completing the objectives usually lead to a final desperate sprint back to a randomly determined extraction point with a horde of angry spiders in tow before a five-minute cutoff point. When they reach the pod, it takes off and returns to the space rig, wherein another mission may be chosen, assuming your idiot cohort doesn't detonate C4 and kill you before the blast doors close on your escape pod. But I'm not bitter. There's no traditional story mode in Deep Rock Galactic. The closest thing there lies in the very start and the very end. You're welcomed as a new employee of Deep Rock Galactic and walk through a simple mission in order to be cleared for further work in the form of an assignment, a series of designated missions with unique rewards for completing them. You progressively unlock more mission types and regions of the planet and then are fully welcomed aboard upon completing the whole series. These are the metaphorical bookends of the narrative story to be told, and on the surface, that seems to be it. You can play this game for hours and days and not draw any additional context. And that's okay because the game is great fun, but I assure you that is not truly all of the narrative. The rest of the story lies in the little details that quite literally in front of your face for the entire game. And all of those details stem from the complete and total obvious. You were dwarves in space, meaning that dwarves are a spacefaring galactic power now and that they have achieved space travel. Dwarves have surpassed the human race and are able to leave their planet, construct large, sophisticated orbital structures above all other planets that they have traveled to, all owned and operated by a private company, not the government. Side note, confirmed, Elon Musk is a dwarf. You may have also observed several PSA screens across the space station, which read Space Rig 17, implying that there exist at least 16 other rigs akin to it. These tidbits all tell that space habitation is extensive and routine, but it is nothing new and is seen as an extension of terrestrial dwarven civilization. Also, speaking of civilization, the game leaves much to be desired in the way of life outside of dwarven kind. We can speculate, however, that much like any other fantasy universe involving dwarves, that men and elves likely exist due to some cosmetic descriptions in the game like a brand of non-alcoholic quote-unquote buzzkill beer called leaf lovers everyone knows that elves are leaf lovers and everyone also knows that gimli and legolas are the only elves and dwarves that mingle so of course if elves exist you can count on dwarves to take their shots at them now as for their work the company that employs this entire operation is known as the name of the game would imply as deep rock galactic I attempted to formulate my own opinion on this, but it was best summed up by an article from The Artifice, written by an all credit due to Major Leverier. I'm sorry, I don't know how to say that. It's some strange username. But all credit to you because this is some top-notch work and I couldn't have said it better myself. And trust me, I did try. So, Deep Rock Galactic is a mining company first and foremost. And the most basic premise of the game is that they have hired the player's characters to extract resources from Hoxie's 4, a planet that their competitors are not willing to work on due to the world's intense hostility. This alone demonstrates that there exists a lively capitalist spirit in future dwarven society, and one that you witness in its most extreme via your employers. The zeal demonstrated by DRG in their pursuit of Hoxie's wealth is nothing short of extraordinary. They exhibit an intensive possessiveness of the planet, seeing it as a property to which they may do whatever they please. This is in spite of the fact that Hoxies already possesses native life of its own. 
life that has inhabited the planet for countless millennia and has evolved to survive on its bizarre biosphere. But to Deep Rock Galactic, they are treated as pests to exterminate, perhaps even specimens to be experimented on. As part of which, the dwarves come equipped with a myriad of weapons that, while extremely effective, cause pause, though, on the grounds of morality. Flamethrowers, neurotoxic gas, mines, hollow-point ammunition, poison bullets, clustered in incendiary explosives, all banned by international law in our world due to the inordinate suffering they may cause. But they're all fair game for the dwarves. No mention is made of similar in-game treaties, but at the very least, one can tell that no mercy is bequeathed upon the aliens of Hoxies. In every mission, they're the principal enemy who are to be ruthlessly and quickly dispatched of, and on some, they are even the primary target. The dwarves may be dispatched for the express reason of killing a certain type of glyphid called a dreadnought. Before they grow too large, they may interfere with company operations. On other occasions, they may be sent to collect glyphid eggs from nests with their contact at mission control insisting, don't ask why. In both scenarios, alongside every other, the glyphid and other native life are granted no quarter as DRG descends on their homes, which as far as the dwarves are concerned, is their metaphorical honeypot now. The moral character of the company Deep Rock Galactic is also evident in their actions towards the dwarves themselves. While not outright malevolent, one may observe a certain avarice in their interactions with their employees. For example, the dwarves may run low on ammunition and supplies during a mission and require more. Deep Rock Galactic is a massive company, tons of resources, completely capable of rapidly deploying a supply pod, which can burrow through the ground and arrive in a precise location with all the supplies that the dwarves need. But Deep Rock Galactic will only do so if the dwarves have collected a sufficient amount of nitra, a harvestable red crystal found in the caves. Otherwise, they will be left out to die, even if their situation is completely dire. It's never explicitly stated why this is a company policy, but it carries a serious negative implication for Deep Rock Galactic, that they will only supply their employees with potentially life-saving supplies if they can make it worth their while. Another disquieting example appears near the conclusion of missions, wherein the dwarves must return to the drop pods for extraction. When the drop pod arrives, it will call back the dwarves' mule, an unmanned droid where the party stores their collected goods. The drop pod will depart the caves once the mule and the dwarves are on board, but two aspects of this process warrant attention. The fact that the dwarves are not allowed in the drop pod if the mule hasn't docked, and the only exception being if the mule hasn't arrived by 15 seconds prior to launch, and the fact that the pod will leave the dwarves behind if they do not reach it within five minutes. Both these facts contribute to Deep Rock Galactic's image as being greedy and materialistic. Unwilling to leave valued cargo, but content to abandon living employees if said cargo is sufficiently threatened. All of this is discerned not only through any action of the game's part, but is capable of being casually observed in the worlds in which the players inhabit. It is shown rather than told. Now, the final, it admittedly the most intricate part of the game that needs discussed, are the characters themselves, the dwarves. Little information is provided on the dwarves outside their jobs, which are the scout, the gunner, the engineer, and the driller. The game starts with the dwarves joining the company as greenbeards and working their way up the ladder through company missions that they complete. From this, one may discern that the dwarves just made a career change. Even though what career they're departing from is never directly stated, there exists a clue in a less than obvious place. 
When browsing the accessory shop to customize the dwarves appearances, there's a beret hat that you may equip whose description reads a reminder of your service. Berets, as you might know, are typically associated with military outfits such as the U.S. Green Beret, which leads to the conclusion that the dwarves are former soldiers or even retired special forces operators. And that notion checks out if you play through the game because the dwarves seem to have an instinctual and almost absurdly romantic love for their weapons, on top of a great handle on how to use them, something that the regular population likely doesn't have if dwarves are anything like humans. Now, Despite all of that, and despite the fact that they're working for a bloodthirsty, completely unempathetic, greedy, bastardizing company while mining in the universe's most dangerous hell, all while being hunted by one of the most dangerous species in existence, they still find time to make banter, jokes, and talk like they're just a normal group of friends doing completely normal things, saying like, damn you, Deep Rock Galactic, when they get drunk at the bar yelling, hello, darkness, my old friend, right before they pass out. Or, I can't wait to get back and grab an ale. Move your tin ass over here. When we get back, it's sandwich time. Oh, God damn it! there's a pebble in my boot. That guy at Mission Control, he really has a cozy job. If you read any of these without context, would you think it is idle chatter of intergalactic dwarven space miners on a planet full of alien spiders constantly fighting for their right to survive? No. This tranquility in the face of danger is a defining characteristic of the dwarves, one that is fully demonstrated in a curious quirk of theirs. When on a mission and one presses the reload button when their weapons are fully loaded, their character will just play with it. They'll twirl it in the air, spin a spare tank of fuel for their flamethrower, spin the barrel of the minigun, balance a bullet on the tip, all that kind of stuff. The fact that they do this conveys a confident and calm state of mind. Someone in a dire life or death situation, fearing for their life, would not think that they could twirl their revolver around their finger. Such casual and playful acts help paint the dwarves' personalities in an unspoken way. They feel very little danger, and they are fully expecting it to make it back for the next round of cold ones at the Abyss Bar. Alright, so before we move on, we have to discuss the dreadnought in the room. Who is Carl? Throughout the game, in both speech and in print, you will see and hear all about this Carl character. Your friends salute him. They raise glasses in his honor. They compare all their hard work to his. There's even a scrolling wheel of Carl's greatest hits on the bar hub. But who is he really? Well, nobody knows. But luckily, here at Video Game Mythos, we take to mining the lore-rich veins of Reddit to see what theories are really floating around. Here are some of the popular myths. Carl is an important figure in Dwarven society, and he's such a hero and leader, or perhaps even the CEO of Deep Rock Galactic, suggesting they call his name out when they are literally doing something, quote, for Carl. Now, some people do think that he is the director of the HQ as well, the guy on the, on, the, guy on the intercom calling all the shots, um, but that is kind of refuted by the achievement Carl will be proud and the guy saying he has a cozy job, implying that they don't like him, and the achievement saying that they are doing things for him. Another theory. Carl was one of the first dwarves to hit Hoxie's Four, and was left behind by his crew when they were set upon by the hostile creatures that call the planet home. This could be what coined the term, leave no dwarf behind. And the dwarves may be, in a sense, completing their missions for Carl, who represents all of those who were left behind or give up their lives for others on excavations. 
This is further enforced by having one of the game's soundtracks officially named Carl's End and is supported by the information derived in Ghost Ship Games' Deep Rock Galactic Flog. The description of the Skull Crusher Ale in the Abyss Bar claims rumors that Skull Crusher Ale is, quote-unquote, at least partly to blame for whatever happened that made Carl famous. Now, the third option seems the most logical. Carl and his team had too much Skull Crusher Ale and were ultimately left behind during a mission, hence the proliferation of No Dwarf Left Behind. And it's also possible that the large central statue found in the memorial hall is an effigy of Carl, in which case he used to work for DRG as a scout. And he shall forever be remembered in the ballad of Carl, as we all cheer to him, as we raise our beer glasses in his name. And thank you to Steam user Chibity for this gem. The last time I saw him alive, the drop pod was leaving. He was holding the line. Born on a space station, raised in a cave, rock and stone was all that he craved. As we talked about before, a tapestry is appreciated for all of its glory when combined, but it's the quality of the individual threads that make it really worth looking at. And that is so true of this wonderful game. When subtlety in games is well used, it may become unnecessary to tell much of anything. Deep Rock Galactic is a game that tells little, but can still say a whole lot without using words. Its deceptively simple premise conceals a deeper narrative that goes largely unspoken. Perhaps therein is its greatest strength. It's a low-key game, and its tone applies that it's simply par for the course within the context of its own universe. It's all background noise to the daily routine of working men one of whom has got to go down the tunnel full of hissing noises first. So who's it going to be? You heard him, boys. It's time to drop. Let's do it. For Carl. Rock and Stone! <laughs> <laughs>